Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Hello from Jerusalem. This is Watchmen Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli military and security experts and practitioners. I'm Amir Oren, and we are delighted to have with us today retired Brigadier General Uzi Elam. Welcome. You know, Uzi, before I present uh, your impressive curriculum vita, um, we have been blessed recently with several Uzis here. We had Uzi Arad, we had Uzi Rubin, now you, there are other Uzis. Why was this name so popular in the 1930s and 40s in pre-Israel Palestine? I'm not sure, but I know that my parents, when they decided to call me Uzi, and my father, name in Hebrew was Baruch, and his nickname was Buzi, they were afraid that people would call me Uzi, the son of Buzi. But uh, they decided that Uzi is an impressive name. Yes, it uh, means uh, strength. Uh, or my strength, or uh, coming uh, from Uziel, um, a biblical name. But Uzielam, um, a Renaissance man, um, a soldier, a commander, an engineer, a developer, a trumpet player, and an accomplished author, seven books under your belt, some of them, most of them prose, some of them fiction, but uh, centering on security issues. Uh, this is one of uh, the books. And the latest one uh, to be uh, issued uh, soon in English, in addition to Hebrew, has to do with our conversation for the first part of the first talk. And that is uh, about the unit which changed completely the fighting spirit of the Israel Defense Forces in the 1950s. And in the second part of our conversation, we will deal with your uh, period as the head of uh, R&D for the IDF, your directorship of the Israeli Atomic Energy Commission, and other exploits and your lessons regarding Israeli power through the ages. Uzi, you were born on a kibbutz, Tell yourself um, in the Jezreel Valley in the uh, mid 1930s. What was it like growing up among the Arabs and under the British? It was a very unique situation where we lived by the uh, the Palestinians uh, close. But when, when I was a young boy, I knew I was aware of the enmity. And, uh, and even one very, very uh, uh, unique uh, development was that uh, one day I came to my, my parents' uh, apartment and in the room, were signs of uh, of uh, shots that were uh, uh, shots from from outside, and I knew that this is something that we have to live with, and I knew 
even then that me, I have some part, should have some part in it. Uh, this particular part of uh, Israel, uh, this particular valley where uh, biblical Gideon started uh, some of his exploits with 300 uh, fighters um, who were vetted for courage, for initiative. How come this particular part became um, one of the mother loads for fighters and leaders in Israel? I have to come back to, uh, to uh, my parents, um, my father, Bar Mitzvah. Everybody is, is, is uh, celebrating the Bar Mitzvah in, in, a, in a synagogue. My Bar Mitzvah was that my father took me with him and gave me a revolver. And I was trying and succeeding and shooting. This was my Bar Mitzvah. Uh, and this was a year before the state of Israel was established. Exactly, exactly. So this is this is something, and I knew I knew already that in our how in our home there was a, a rifle. So this this is a tantamount to what pioneers, uh, for instance, in the American West experienced when they went west. They encountered Native Americans. And uh, there was um, a spirit of Wild West, of, of settling, of pioneering. Yeah. But then I think that one, one, uh, one issue is, uh, is related to Gidon and his 300 uh, people. One day I was already playing the trumpet and, and uh, I was nine years old, I think. And I was approached by somebody from the Palbach. And the, I was- The shock troops of the Haganah in the 1940s. Yeah. And, uh, and I was supposed to use the trumpet to raising the flag in a ceremony that was uh, enlisting the, the Palbach. So even as a young uh, boy, you can, you can uh, uh, see how close and how uh, important is this combination. Your very kibbutz, Tel Yosef, was named after Yosef Trumpeldor, who was probably the first hero of um, the uh, so-called settlement, pre-State uh, of Israel uh, congregation of uh, Jews, which in 1948 numbered not more than 650,000. So there was a tradition there, a legacy. Yep. Now, in the early 1950s, there was a period of um, an anti-climax, one may say, spirit in Israel, following the 1948 war and 49 armistice agreements. Not too many people, and uh, certainly not the best and the brightest, made the military their career. And you happened to take part in the revolution, which came from within, led by a certain Ariel Sharon. How did that come about? It's a long story. Let's make it short. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the beginning before 
uh, entering into the very, very uh, important, very uh, um, elaborate development of the paratroopers, I think that we should uh, highlight the contribution of a very small, very uh, short-lived uh, unit called 101. Just, just um, as an asterisk, um, Detachment 101 was the unit led by Major General Ord Wingate um, in Burma. And Wingate earlier was the father of Israeli elite units when he was stationed by the British Army in Palestine. So uh, probably in honor of Detachment 101, uh, then Major Sharon set up his Unit 101. True. And the, and the heritage of, uh, of uh, Wingate. Uh, Wingate was that we should not be just defending, but we have to get out of the fence and go and attack. And this is something that was uh, uh, helping later on, as you mentioned, the, uh, the paratroopers headed by a... a first major and then uh, lieutenant colonel and then general Arik Sharon. By the way, uh, the very word fence marks the difference between defense and offense. And what Wingate said to the Jews in Palestine is you have to go out of the fence, which is offense. And his headquarters was in the, in the uh, building between two Kibbutzim, one Tel Yosef and the other, uh, and Harod. And we, as kids, we went, we used to go there and uh, and uh, taste the biscuits, uh, the, the uh, uh, military biscuits that were something out of this uh, this world. So, so Sharon set up this unit, which after a few months gobbled, one may say, um, the single paratroop battalion 890, and he became the leader of both 101 and 890, and you were there. We benefited from what was going on in the five and a half months of living of this 101 unit. It was uh, mainly contributed by Mayor Hartzion. He was a, a fighter. He was the one who knew exactly how to navigate. And he uh, helped all of us to understand that the commander should know his way. The commander should leave and not let, let somebody else to leave. Be up front. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was from the adjacent kibbutz and Harod. And Harod, and, and we we were classmates. And one at, at least one one year we we sat one uh, to, close to the other. And later on, when uh, when uh, we we formed the uh, the uh, Sayeret reconnaissance troop, reconnaissance troop, uh, uh, Mayor Hartzion was the commander, and I was a deputy. For that, uh... one one should should uh, mention 
that um, the chief of staff at the time, Moshe Dayan, uh, used to say that Meir Zion is the greatest uh, Israeli, greatest Jewish warrior of all time. He commissioned him in the field. Yeah, he never went to officer's candidate school, but uh, he was already commissioned uh, a lieutenant or a captain because of his unique abilities to lead troops uh, to the target, which is no less important than into battle. Yeah, and now Sharon, when he went on leading this uh, battalion first and then brigade, one, one, uh, uh, 819 and then uh, 202, he uh, knew that the most important development of the spirit of the of the IDF was two-sided. One, navigating for, for ever. And the, the second is to be such leader that soldiers will follow you. If you are that kind of a, of, of a warrior, you are on. If you are not, in one In one of your books, you mention that um, you yourself felt um, the cost of mistakes in navigating. In, in one uh, very uh, famous episode in February of 1955, Operation Black Arrow uh, in Gaza, where uh, either the scouts or one of the commanders, uh, by mistake, led you to uh, a military outpost rather than to your intended target. And instead of a small retaliation um, act, it turned into a battle with the um, Egyptian army, perhaps even later led to the 1956 campaign. And you were wounded. This is uh, one battle where you were later uh, given a medal for valor there. Yeah, I think that, that uh, we should mention the deputy of Sharon named Davidi, Aaron Davidi, who was exceptionally courageous but exceptionally intelligent and exceptionally sub, sub, somebody that knew at the right moment where to, where to be. And when, uh, when uh, our company commander, Sadi Al-Kayam Supapo, uh, mistook uh, one uh, military base to the other, and we were there, and I was already wounded uh, uh, there in, in the first uh, uh, firefight. Then Davidi called Supapo, it, this is not the right place. And Supapo took upon himself, of course, he, he realized that he erred, and, uh, and he went directly to the to the... Uh, the, the right uh, cap, and I, after him, with my com, my uh, platoon. Uh, platoon, we 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 were suffering a, a hell of a fire from from the Egyptians. Supapo was, uh, was was crying out and felt that I ran to him and and, and uh, saw that he's not with us. And uh, my people also, we, we were wounded. And then out of the blue, 
Davidi, the deputy battalion commander came and he asked me, who's he, what's going on here? And I said, the Supapo has died and other, other, other of my soldiers. And uh, he said, okay, and where is the enemy? As if he couldn't. And I said, here and here and here. And he said uh, later on, okay, uh, and what do, you, what do you intend to do? As if we are sitting uh, in his... Uh, in his office in a planning uh, yeah. session. I said, uh, well, I'll, I'll take my, my soldiers who are not killed or, or wounded and uh, do the job. And this is what I did. I had only one, uh, three soldiers that w- went with me. And instead of a full company, I could rely only on these uh, three soldiers. One of them were hit and died near me. And I remained with two soldiers. And this is what did the whole uh, uh, success of the operation. And I think that uh, they, they, they did not know that I'm wounded already. But only when we got back and I got to the doctor, uh, I said, look, I have something here. And said, straight to, to hospital. And this is why I think Sharon and his deputy, Davidi, decided to recommend me for this uh, valor. What motivated you in this particular moment, which was the difference between victory and defeat? Was it Zionism, your bodies? Um, you w- didn't want to be ashamed coming back that you didn't fulfill the mission. What was it? A combination of all of those? Combination. I think that what what is important to note is that Arik Sharon was exactly using the, the, uh, the, 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 this uh, axiom, how, how come? And he said that you have, you have to, you take, you take care of what your friends are looking up to you. And I think that I did not feel anything but the importance of the mission and that I had to do that. And I couldn't say that only this is my job. And I think that I'm not sure I was too concerned about what my soldiers will think of me. Later on, I I knew that they were admiring my courage, but okay. But this is, this is something that the importance of the mission itself is what is driving you. Um, it is well known, um, perhaps uh, the Germans started it in their airborne corps, that um, even a non-commissioned officer in such elite units, such as the paratroops, uh, can be an officer in other regular units, and vice versa. When you came back from... Uh, officers' uh, uh, school, you were only given a squad in the paratroops. Exactly. So uh, what was the reason behind it? I think that Sharon wanted this uh, uh, squad leader's course to be the best that could that we could have. You trained other squad leaders. You, you yep. were in charge of a squad of trainees to be squad leaders. Exactly, exactly. And uh, and uh, 
Sadi Al-Kayab, the, the late Supapo, he was the leader and the commander of the company. But the, the, the squad uh, leaders were officers. And, but then you know that, that uh, uh, when Arik, Sharon, and, uh, and Davidi, when they feel that they should uh, consider how good are the leaders, they, they were not bothering with the ranks. They were looking for somebody that people, soldiers, will follow. And so it so happened that, that from directly from being a squad leader, I was deputy to a company leaders and, they, and very, very soon uh, company leader. Now, we have to race from the 50s to the 60s, but just one last remark regarding this period of the paratroops. You were originally in Unit 101 only uh, a few dozen people, perhaps not more than 40 uh, at most, and then only a few hundred. 50. 50. And, and um, you were very precious assets. You took the entire burden of the Israeli Defense Forces and of the country on your shoulders, but there were many casualties. Um, there was a contradiction between your importance and the way that um, your uh, chain of command regarded casualties, if not with indifference, then at least uh, with the knowledge that this is uh, how it's going to be. One thing that was uh, very precious to, to us was not to leave anybody back after casualties, it. wounded, casualties wounded, bring back hope, everybody. But then the number of casualties was, was, uh, was there and, uh, and uh, Sharon and Diane felt that uh, perhaps casualties were too high. And I think that one very, very important development was the, the operation of Calcilia, that uh, we... Only three weeks before uh, the before, Sinai campaign. And uh, I, was, I was wounded before and I was with the, with the cast, but, uh, but uh, I, ran, I ran out of the, of the hospital and joined the, 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 the forces and Sharon told me, well, you cannot use the Uzi gun, uh, go to the, to the small airplane that be with us. As a, as a spotter. And then, and then when, when the, the, uh, the operation was finished, Diane was asking the media leaders to come over and to listen to Sharon, listen to the, the uh, artillery commander, and listen to him, to, to Diane. You had 18 uh, people killed. That night, it was a shock yep. uh, for, for uh, the yep. Israeli population. Yep. Uh, now, we have to go uh, uh, to 1967, where you were a battalion commander and actually not only took part in a battle not far from where we are sitting now, but you were first uh, to get uh, to the area of the Wailing Wall 
and use your expertise as a trumpet player in addition to your fighting skill. What happened there? Yes, I was, luckily, I was a battalion commander, Pathropers. In addition to your day job uh, in charge of uh, research R&D. and development. R&D. And, uh, but then when everybody was, was, uh, was in, I, I took my battalion and, uh, and first we were supposed to jump uh, south of uh, El Arish, but then they, there in, they thought I was going out nicely. And, uh, you were disappointed that you missed on a combat jump. Exactly. And, and we did not believe that King Hussein will dare to attack us, but he did. He did. He was tempted by, by Nasser. So we are in Jerusalem. Luckily for me, I was knowledgeable of uh, Jerusalem much more than the average uh, of our uh, brigade. Uh, of reservists. Yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll skip it. But I'll say that when I was asked by uh, the uh, brigade commander, Motagur, Botagur, uh, to present to him how I'm going to enter into the old city, to, to, uh, to uh, have Sheikh Jarrah. I told him exactly what I knew from my, my previous uh, de- 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 development, knowing Jerusalem very, very good. But the, the old city was a myth. The old city was something that, that nobody believed that we were able to come come back to it. And just just uh, one day before, when we finished the first day of the war in the in in uh, Jerusalem, uh, and we were uh, waiting for Gur to give us the follow-on uh, mission, Chief Rabbi, Chief Military Rabbi, was there with us. Now, not Motagur, neither Chief Rabbi mentioned the old city. And the only one who felt that he should say something was a company, one of my company commanders, Yoram Zamush. And, and he, when I went to, the, to, to see Motagur, Yoram told me, look, if there will be a decision to get into the old city, I want to be the first. So General Elam, here we are in the middle of the Six-Day War. Some suspense. We'll pick it up from here in the second part of our conversation very soon. Thank you. Thank you. I'm with you. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.